Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Dawn Addis, who is running for city council in Morro Bay, California. Now, Dawn is really interesting, so I'm going to hurry up and get to our conversation without too much delay here. But I wanted to say that I know it's tough out there, and it's easy to get into a routine of the same old thing. So take five minutes sometime this week and just look around. Stop what you're doing. If you're at work or walking to get coffee or at the grocery store, just stop what you're doing and look around. That's all. That's it. Just look around. Sometimes that's all it takes to get out of your own head. I want to go ahead and jump in here. So let's get you introduced. Who are you and for what are you running? I'm Dawn Addis, and I'm running for city council in Morro Bay, California, which is on the central coast. We're about halfway between San Francisco and L.A., and we're a small town. We have just over 10,000 uh, folks here, and it's a five-person council. Is that a partisan race? It's a nonpartisan race. Our local races, city council, as well as our county races are nonpartisan races. So why did you decide to run? I decided to run because over the last uh, couple years, since about October 2016, I've been involved as a main lead organizer for Women's March San Luis Obispo. And we've really been working for two things. One is to create a more positive and just future on a um, wide scale level. And the other is to get more women into politics locally. And when the June ballots came out, uh, there were very few women running. In fact, I received a slate in the mail that had 11 candidates and zero women on it. And it really kicked me into gear in terms of living what I um, have been preaching. So taking activism to the next level by setting an example. Have you always been political? I've always been politically involved, and this started with uh, when I was in middle school, I decided to be a teacher because I felt like um, there were different uh, different treatment of different kinds of kids on my school campus, and I thought, you know what, I want to be a person to change this. And then in high school, I worked on um, a funding I, and I, looking back, I can't remember if it was a specific measure or what it was, but we worked on getting more funding in high schools. And, um, you know, California recently legalized marijuana. And in high school, in my government class, that was the exact bill that I presented was one to legalize marijuana. And then I've stayed active over the years. But being a lead organizer for Women's March was really the um, largest level. I've also worked, you know, um, walked on other campaigns and done phone banking, kind of smaller things over the year. And Women's March was the my first foray into uh, being very much in the public eye locally. Are you working also? Or are you a candidate full time? No, I'm a full. I work full time. I work with every public school in Morro Bay, Los Osos, and San Luis Obispo. So we have a school district that has 15 schools, and I'm part of the um, leadership team out of the district office doing program development. So I'm officially a teacher, but I'm part of this district office team that works with 
school site administrators and school site teachers to implement district-wide programs. Is there any kind of, I don't know how to, like, you're not supposed to be political if you're a teacher or anything like that? Is mm, that interesting. affecting your campaign? Yeah, you know what? I have, um, so obviously I don't campaign at work. And right. I, um, I was, I mean, in, when we think about, you know, being political active, I was also on the executive board for our teachers union, and I was um, a site representative of our teachers union. So I've stayed involved that way. But um, one of the most important things to me as a candidate here in a small town is to keep the campaign positive. I'm really not about demonizing or um, taking stances on those already in elective office, but more focused on the issues and what do our what does our small town need um, that will benefit all people, including our schools and our students. And then, of course, I think I just said this, but of course, I don't campaign at work or um, mix the two. Why did you decide to run for this office rather than something like state legislature or higher? Yeah, it took me a long time to decide to run at all. But one of the most poignant things that somebody said to me was, you know, Don, all of the national issues that we face and the global issues that we face exist at the local level as well. So when we think about our water security and, um, you know, in the in these times of climate change, are we going to have clean, secure drinking water? We're facing that right here in Morro Bay. We're on the cusp of success with a water reclamation facility that could provide another secure source of water, clean water for our town. When we think about the housing crisis that's happening all across California um, and many places in the nation, we have that right here in Morro Bay where families are being priced out and people on fixed incomes and our future generations are being priced out. And so at the city level, we can create policies to address some of these kinds of things. We're also seeing across the nation um, this new division where people are attacking each other and each other's humanity as opposed to working on ideas that can push our nation forward. And here in our own town, I'm starting to see some of those same kinds of divisions um, where people are really drawing lines in the sand, uh, even amongst the progressive voice. And so I think we really have an opportunity at the civil, at the city level to focus on civil discourse, to focus on bringing more diverse voices into the fray. And then we're facing economic issues and infrastructure issues. You know, one of the things that our president campaigned on was getting more funding into infrastructure. And right here at the local level, we're facing significant infrastructure issues with our streets, with our water systems. We're looking at, um, on the solution side, you know, there's some ideas around clean energy production that could not only help us create jobs, um, help us have better infrastructure and better economy, but also fight climate change. So everything that you see at the national level exists right here at home. And we actually have the opportunity to affect, 
you know, real people that we see every day at the grocery store, at the library, as we're taking a walk on the beach, as we're, you know, attending community forums. These are the people that when we make decisions, we have to be able to look one another in the eye and say, I made this decision. So it's much more personalized. Um, and that is really exciting to me that I could have an effect on people's day-to-day lives right here at home and be a person who could create positive change right here in my own town. You've helped organize various marches and protests. You've been, you know, a fairly progressive voice in your local community, but then you found yourself at this year's State of the Union address. How did this happen? And was it like a completely surreal experience for you? It was a completely surreal experience for me. (laughs) And I will say that it definitely influenced my interest in running for office because um, so how it happened is we had the January 2018, uh, we did a rally here in January 2018, and it was focused on Hear Our Vote. And we had worked so hard after that, um, or for that. And afterward, I just kept feeling this like bubble of energy and thinking like something big is about to happen. And I couldn't put my finger on what it could be since we had just finished the rally. And, you know, we had five or five to 7,000 people came out to that rally and the energy was electrifying and people were excited. And um, I just had this inkling that something was still in the air. And then I got the call from our congressman's office inviting me to the State of the Union. And it was like, I think I got the call like a week before. So it was like, you know, get your plane tickets, figure out your hotel, figure out your logistics, see if you can take work off. Um, and the congressman would like to bring you with him to this opportunity. And when I got there, um, and I got to his office, his staffers who were fantastic said, you know, the congressman has a number of, um, of events lined up. You do not have to go to them if you don't want to. You're welcome to sit in the office. And of course, I was like, absolutely, I'm going everywhere (laughs) with him. (laughs) I want to see what's going on here and how this works. So we went to um, a party that UPS was doing to honor veterans and our congressman is a veteran. And um, speaking to the director there of this branch of UPS and she said you know I love the congressman but you're a special ed teacher and I have a student I have a child with special needs and there was this immediate human connection and she said I'm so glad you're here because you're one of the few people that really understands what it's like to work with children with special needs and that's been one of my life battles you know this was the woman speaking to me and I thought you know, here I am at this party in Washington, D.C. with the director of a huge, you know, arm of UPS. And we've just connected on this person to person human level. And this is how real change can happen. And um, from there, we went to another gathering that was uh, mostly media. And so the idea at this party was that different Congress people would go around and talk to different media outlets and Um, I actually got to be interviewed by now this and the clip is in our Facebook feed. Um, And it was just it was fantastic to realize that there were so many people here to make change. And then finally, we went to Nancy Pelosi's party and she's Speaker of the House, the most powerful woman in Congress, really on the House side. 
And, um, and so it was filled with House representatives, you know, and we think of the House representatives being the representatives of the people because they have shorter terms, they come from smaller districts as opposed to our senators, right? Our senators, there's two per state, so they're representing in some cases millions of people. Certainly that's the case in California. But the House representatives really are about connecting with, you know, the local communities. And so this was a room filled of folks who are on a very short election cycle and really there to advocate for their communities. And person after person that I met um, said to me, thank you so much for the work that you've been doing. And it hadn't occurred to me before that with Women's March San Luis Obispo, we could affect people already in office. You know, one of the things that we know about leadership and about influence is that you lead for people who are following you, but the other piece of that is you lead for people who are ahead of you and who are already making decisions. And you can change the conversation for people who are already in decision-making positions. And so talking to these women who've already been elected to office and having them say thank you to me, and really that was a thank you to Women's March San Luis Obispo for the work that you've been doing, um, was truly life-changing to hear them and to understand that what we do ripples out to all sectors and in ways that we don't necessarily know about. So that was very surreal. And then another piece of it was sitting in the room um, with, you know, guests from all over the United States and to know that we were coming together with representatives from the Supreme Court, or not representatives, but with judges from the Supreme Court, with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and then with all of Congress and the President, and to realize that that, that State of the Union that body of officials, that body of people working for us is a mainstay of our democracy, and we need to fight hard for it. We need to fight hard for our democracy, and we need to especially do this um, on November 6th when it's time to vote at the local level and at the national level. Are you finding that people know you because you've like gotten this spotlight? Yes. So people, I mean, people know me for a variety of reasons. We've lived in Morro Bay for almost 20 years. I've worked Mm -hmm. in the school district that entire time. So people know me just from seeing me at the grocery store or, um, you know, I coached uh, soccer and futsal when my kids are little. So people know me from seeing me at those games or they know me from seeing me in the snack bar at the, you know, football games at the local high schools. But the broader sector does know me from uh, Women's March San Luis Obispo. I've been extremely fortunate that um, in our group, when it was time to speak, they all kind of looked at me. And so I had the fortune of giving the opening remarks at our original Women's March, which brought out 10,000 people and then fell into the role of being the media spokesperson. So there's a lot of people that do the work behind the scenes for Women's March San Luis Obispo. I happen to get the role of media spokesperson. And to be honest, I generally like talking to people. And I feel like 
if people are listening, it's critical to say something that's worth listening to and to have a positive message. And so I think my name has gotten out that way and I've been uh, fortunate for that. What has surprised you the most about running for office? Hmm. What has surprised me the most? I don't know if it's a surprise or if it's just really caused me to think critically. So, and I don't mean to say I wasn't a critical thinker before, but, you know, some of the issues on the national level are very clean, clean cut. So, you know, one of the national issues recently has been family separation and family reunification. There, there's a clear argument. Don't take kids away from their parents. There's not a lot of gray in there. But when we're talking on the local level about water reclamation, for instance, and we know that um, we have, I'll just, this is micro specific to Morro Bay, but our sewer plant right now is on beachfront property. And on no days of the year does it meet modern day EPA standards. Our town has had a waiver for the past 30 years um, to dump sewer outfall, and it is processed, um, but it is not processed to modern day EPA standards. So that outfall that doesn't meet uh, modern day standards is, is dumped a mile out into the ocean. And the sewer plant itself is on the beach and it's across the street from our local high school and it's across the street or it's next door to our local soccer fields. So you can imagine what that's like. And anybody might say, let's just move it. What I have learned is if you can put just in front of any statement, um, you haven't thought about it long enough. So the new idea is to move that sewer plant and to create water reclamation, which everybody is for. We all want water reclamation and we need water security, but that's gonna come at a cost of $41 a month to our local residents. And that's a lot of money and I get that. And so I've had to think deeply around how do we get water reclamation? How do we get water security? How do we get our clean beaches and improve our ocean quality in a way that is not going to be a detriment to our local residents? So that has been something that I've really had to ponder and I've landed on the side of, you know, yes, I believe in moving the, the sewer and creating water reclamation and um, we're going to have to do it at this $41 a month because if we don't do it now, the cost is going to go up. And I believe we can continue to keep bringing the cost down. These are things that take much more consideration than should you or should you not rip children from their families. The answer there is easy. The answer to our water reclamation problem is much more challenging and is going to take much more um, thought and buy-in and working together on the issue. So I wouldn't say I'm surprised about by that um, because that's how it is when you have local issues, they always take time and they always take energy because you have to be able to look your neighbors and your friends and your community in the eye 
and say that I did everything I could to make the best decision with as much information as possible. And I will say I actually like that kind of work because it's people-centered work. This is about creating the best future for the people in the place of our city. And it takes time and it takes real dedication. What gives you energy when you're out there pounding the pavement? Talking to people, honestly, hearing what uh, concerns people, because as I'm talking to people, we all, we have a collective desire. What I'm hearing is a collective desire to um, protect and promote our, the things that we love about our community and to work towards creating a better world in general. And it's exciting to talk to people who have their eye on the future, whether that is, you know, I talk to people who are very practically minded and want to talk about policy. And I talk to people who have big dreams and big aspirations. But the common thread is the collective desire to keep moving forward and creating the best future that we can in Morro Bay. And so that's really exciting to me because there's a lot of energy out there and there's a lot of engagement out there. Your election date is November? Mm-hmm. So midterm elections uh, and we um, have mail-in ballots will come out October 8th. So we have a pretty high percentage of people that vote by mail. Um, so people really want to make sure that they're uh, looking for their mail-in ballot starting October 8th. And even if you get a mail-in ballot, you can walk it down on November 6th. But yes, mine is a midterm election. And so that's pretty exciting to be part of, especially given the national conversation, to know that I have uh, one, one tiny piece of the midterm elections on November 6th. All right. And I got one last question for you. What is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who might be listening to this and thinking about running for office? I would say do it. And that was the advice I have heard over and over on your podcast, Emily, and, <laughs> um, and have seen and she should run. And I'll tell you, I kept thinking like, oh, that's easy for you to say. You've already done it. Just do it. Um, and I kept hearing people say like, don't, don't worry, it's not about winning or losing, it's about running. And I can say honestly and wholeheartedly that it's absolutely true. I have learned so much and um, the filing period hasn't even closed yet, so I don't even know who all of the other candidates are going to be. But just in the short couple of months that I've decided to do it, it's really helped me see good things in other people, find strengths in myself, realize the capacity that I have for getting things done and for making positive change. And, you know, no matter the outcome of the election, I would say it's absolutely worth it. I was speaking with a strategist yesterday who has done research around women running for office, and we all know the research. And what it says is that women wait to run until we have enough quote-unquote knowledge, men run because they think they're good enough innately. There's not a question for them around having enough knowledge. They assume that they do, but women wait and they try to gain um, so much knowledge and experience that sometimes we get lost in trying to 
um, become the perfect candidate, that we, we don't just do it. It's kind of like we've all had those days where, you know, you have some free time and you think, should I go outside and do X, Y, and Z, or should I just kind of stay home and get some things done? It's when you cross that threshold into the outside world that things begin to open up. And I would look at it that way. It's when you just say, like, I'm going to try this one thing, um, that really you open up your own self and you open up yourself to the world. And it's extremely rewarding. Oh, I love that. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. It's really exciting because I've listened to your podcast for so long <laughs> and um, I found she should run, you know, the um, the group like a while ago and then saw when you posted she's running podcast and it really has been a source of inspiration for me and it really has been a source of encouragement. So I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans. So this has been a huge <laughs> honor. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. And that's it for today. Big thanks to Dawn Addis for chatting with me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at dawnaddisforcitycouncil.com. And that's D-A-W-N-A-D-D-I-S-F-O-R-citycouncil.com. She's also on Facebook at Dawn Addis for City Council. And on Twitter, you can find her at at Addis for Council. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show. You can also help me out by rating She's Running on Apple Podcasts. Now, if you aren't an Apple fan, you can find the show on Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like listening to your podcasts. And that is it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.